Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I first met you when he was England on the 21s in the squad against Wales. I heard obviously about you, loads from other players. When did you actually think I've got a chance of being a serious, proper Premier League player? Well, from the age of probably 15 to 17, I struggled a lot with injuries, so not many people had heard about me or seen much of me because I didn't play play many games, to be honest. So, probably weren't until Julia gave me my debut and I'd played four or five games where I thought, oh yeah, you know, I can I can cope with this level because I had one or two decent appearances and decent games in that time, so probably yeah. around 18. 18. It's, it's funny you say that. there's a quote I picked out of you saying, out of position and out of my depth. Julie brought me in as a sort of a right wing back at first, and one of the first starts he gave me was away to Tottenham at White Hart Lane, and I was up against Ginola, and he had too much for me. He had too much power, too much pace, too much strength, and I felt out my depth, and I was saying to him, can, can I get there? Can I cope playing against you know opponents like this? And at the time, you know, there was a lot of games in a short space of time where I struggled, and I think that's where that quote come from. So I had a lot of self-doubt and insecurity. So at how a young did you get age. through that? Though? Was it was it the manager helping you through that, asking him questions, him giving you reassurances, or other players, or well, I, around about that time, Julia used to sort of have a lot of one-on-one chats with me, and he said to me, "Look," he said, "You've been mismanaged over the last 18 months off the pitch." He said, y- "You're not doing enough gym work." You're not doing enough work on your legs, on your power, and your upper body is not, not big and strong enough to cope at the moment. He said, you've got the talent and the ability, but over the next six months, we're going to be working you so hard off the pitch because we need to try and build you into a man because you're a kid in a man's game. I grew up wanting to be a centre midfielder, not so much an attacking midfielder, not so much a defensive midfielder. I just wanted to be in the middle. I felt like that's where I could sort of have a you know, an influence on the game. That's where I used to enjoy it when I was a kid. But I just wanted to play for Liverpool that much. I was prepared to try any positions. It was a bit of a bit of a weirdo coming through, really. I was a bit like I, I had my heroes in in Jamie Redknapp, in Paul Ince, and you know them type of players, and obviously Barnes and Macman Whelan before them. But I sort of had a mentality where I sort of wanted to go against them, and what I wanted to sort of compete against them in training. So at first, I didn't really see them as teammates. I seen them as people who had all the something that I wanted. Exactly. That, that mentality is something that I feel is lacking now in this generation. I think that when I came through, you, 
Frank, people like that, we wanted to embarrass the first team. Yeah. Put put someone on their on their bum. Yeah. Make the manager think, well, we just kid. You don't. And that's what I used to hear about you. But you know, if you're coming into sessions and you're showing Jamie Redknapp and Paul in too much respect, they've got the quality to just kill you. And and you know, the training session will pass you by. And then before you know it, you're not getting that first team chance. And that's what I was paranoid about and scared about. So I probably went too much the other way, and probably put too much into training. I used to train how I played and. Um, I think that's when the staff sort of thought, well, yeah, he can, he can cope because he's mixing it with these, so he can mix it in the real game, and that's when I got my chance. So, Sir Gerard Houllier, he made you captain in 2004. Yeah. I mean, captain of a club that you support. Too soon for me. Um, yeah. You know, at the time, I didn't really feel I had the respect and the personality in the dressing room to, to be the Liverpool captain. But he, he obviously seen a different side and thought that that was the right time because that would have helped me you know, mature and, and develop even quicker. But I felt a little bit embarrassed at the time taking it off Sammy Ippy, you know, because he'd been so consistent for a couple of years. I had Jamie Carragher in the dressing room. Yeah. Robbie Fowler was still about Michael Owen. These are players who I grew up watching and trying to learn off, and they were my heroes for a short space of time. So I just felt it was a little bit too soon, but listen, it was one of the best days of my life getting that captaincy. Did, because did you have said, that moment when you were sitting there thinking, well, what do I do now? Like it, a bit it, of uncertainty, yeah, do, I sort shout, of, do I It sort of its home when I got home and I had that punch in the air moment behind the scenes when you're like, <laughs> yes, there you go, it, it's sort of there. But then I thought to myself, well, what do I do different now? You know, mm. you know, how do I speak to him? Has he got the respect for me? You know, he's played a lot more than me. and yeah. So I sort of had to grow into it and learn and... Um, I think that's why I become that type of captain that was more try to lead lead by example and try and do stuff right in and around the, the training ground rather than an aggressive leader who, who I've played with, you know, like Paul in, so you'd get the best out of you by going against you and trying to motivate you that way, which is I know the right way to do it, but I went the other way, maybe because I got the captaincy very young. Hmm. Well, 2004, Julia resigned. Yeah. Obviously, no trophies that year, and there was murmurs in the press that he was wasn't happy with the way the club was going. And then Rafa comes, yeah, and obviously that's that's followed by great success. Well, I think obviously we had the success in 2001, and you sort of felt like we were closing that gap to the, you know, the big sides in the league and and getting close. I think we finished second or third after the treble year. But we made signings in in El Juf and a few other signings after the World Cup, and you're wondering, you know, are these going to be the signings that take us to the next level and they never worked and for me I'm a little bit naive at times and maybe I'm too honest and I, I said that the signings didn't work and that's where people say that I was frustrated and stuff but you know yourself when you're playing for a big club like United or Liverpool if, if there's no trophies and you, the gap's getting bigger and you're falling far away change has to happen. So would you say he's your favourite manager that you've played under on Liverpool? Well, I think as far as love and support is concerned, certain, definitely Julier. You know, he's like more like a father figure. He used to look after me on and off the pitch. I get on very well with Brendan. He's he's a great man manager. Roy Hodgson as well. But for some reason, I just think Rafa sort of brought the best out of me. Mourinho, is there any regrets of not working underneath him? A great manager who's won many things in many different countries. Listen, I, I love the manager. I love the man. I've I've had a, a distant relationship with him for many many years, but I, I have regrets for not playing for the man and the coach because I, I know he would have made me a better player. I know he would have added more trophies to what I've already won. But looking back now, I have no regrets not signing for Chelsea. I don't regret not signing for Chelsea at all. I'm actually happy with the decisions that I made. 
you know, the connection I've got with Liverpool, my hometown club. Yeah, I've probably maybe underachieved at times in certain years with Liverpool, but for me, it is all about winning trophies, but it's also about memories and your love and what them memories meant to you. And me winning four or five trophies with Liverpool mean an awful lot more to me if I'd have won 10-11 at Chelsea. What kept me at Liverpool when I was close to making the decision whether to go or stay is my dad's a big Liverpool fan, my brother, all my, all my friends. And when I w w win for Liverpool, I share it with people that are really close to me. Um, and not many people will understand that, you know, especially in the media. I've had a lot of uh, criticism or people saying, you know, uh, he should have went to Chelsea, he should have went here. I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. I was always one of the like, well, I'd be, I'd be gone. If I hadn't won for a couple of years, I'd be, I'd be wanting to go. But yeah. I wasn't still at West Ham where I've got that tie yeah. to, do you know what I mean? And, I can understand sitting here speaking to you now that, that yeah. why you've done it and, and why you're still proud and pleased that you make the right decision. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I am biased towards Liverpool. I think, you know, in certain games I've been too biased and showed too much loyalty or whatever. But for me, I, I knew I always wanted to come home. I always want to go and watch Liverpool. You know, I'll have season tickets now for forever and ever. And, I knew if I'd have gone to Chelsea or anyone else for that matter at that time, I'd have maybe a risk losing that. And I'd been there since I was eight and it was too much to let go. Yeah. FA Cup final versus West Ham, Istanbul. Big moments, big games. Stephen Gerrard steps up, Roy Rover stuff. How does that happen? I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I've had some really, really good moments at good times. Uh, for Liverpool, it's difficult to describe how it happens or. Or whatever, I think every player has their moments that define them. And for me, the lows and how you feel, the hurt and the pain from a low or a setback has helped me work even harder and sort of get to them moments. I don't think them moments come unless you, you suffer or you hurt or you get disappointed along the way as well. Mm. So, like you're talking about Hurts, obviously the 2013 14 season, you were going for the league. I remember watching you on the TV when you had the huddle mm. after the City game. Yeah and thinking, right, they got the bit between the teeth now, yeah. they could go on to win it. And then the game against Chelsea happened, and then you lost the league. Because if you draw that game... Yeah, you, I think, I think our league. tactical approach was probably inexperienced for the whole game, you know. I think because we were on a good run and in good form, and at no fault to Brendan at all, we, we sort of went in with the same tactics, you know. We heard Chelsea maybe making a few changes and we actually had the confidence we can go and blow them away, but... I think we sort of underestimated the power of Mourinho. You know, he came and he spoiled the game, he ruined it. He had them very hard to beat, he played all the units. He spoiled the game and he even said after when he was quoted, we came to spoil the party and he got the tactics spot on. The slip happened at a bad time. It was cruel for me personally and you know, there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't think about what if that didn't happen. Would things have been different? Would it have turned out different? Maybe it might have, I don't know. It happened after half an hour and we still had the time to get the draw we needed. And the inexperience, the inexperience showed from myself, um, having not been in many title races, the, ex the inexperience of the team. Our reaction was to go and chase it and hunt it down and try and make up for that cruel moment. And we lost our way, we went gung-ho. Instead of being more controlled and maybe just you know, being a little bit more calculated in the way we went about it for the equaliser. How do you deal mentally with such a situation like Because with all social media nowadays think, and the exposure now yeah, is massive. Listen, I think you've got to be thick-skinned and take a bit of criticism along the way. I'm not scared of any criticism or any cruelty. I understand the moment and the impact it had. And 
it kills me, don't get me wrong, inside it kills me and it will do for a long time. I think to myself, if I'd have got that league, it'd have been the icing on the cake. But what helps me with it is I've got the cake, you know, I've achieved a lot of dreams with a team that has never ever been the favourite. I've had some incredible moments for a young kid from a council estate and I've got memories, good memories that'll live with me forever, but that is one moment that will always hurt me till till the day I go. Uh, and it's because if I'd have got that moment, it, I'd, I'd have achieved top. every dream at Liverpool. And that's the one that I just haven't gotten it. it honestly, as a man, it hurts. So obviously, like you say, you didn't get that last cherry on the top. What was the final ingredient you think you guys were missing over the years? There were different moments. I think in experience. I think we had a fantastic team. Um, you know, we had Suarez, who was possibly the best player in the world at the time on current form. I just felt when you know, we'd had a couple of stupid slips and defeats throughout the season, which you don't really think are going to hurt you because you're still in a good position towards the end. But over the 38 games, there was a couple of you know bad performances and slip-ups that we made early on in the season. I just think draws at home against sides that we went in and thought you just have to turn up and beat. The experience maybe from the staff to sort of treat every game exactly the same as if it's Man U every single week. Because we've, we've always done reasonably well against the, the bigger teams because you don't have to motivate the team for them. Everyone wants to win them, but we've always struggled against maybe a Fulham at home or a West Brom at home when they come and they park the bus and we haven't got that little bit of magic to open them up. Talking of Suarez, I mean, who would you say was the better player, him or Torres, in Liverpool shirts? It's, it's a difficult question because they stayed for a similar time period and they were both unplayable at times. They're both phenomenal footballers. I think Suarez had more to his game. So he could hurt defences more and he could do stuff that would blow me away. He was horrible to play against, horrible to mark, but Torres just had this wave of confidence where every time he went onto the pitch you felt like the team was going to win. So very close when they were both on top form, but I think Suarez was more consistent and I think Suarez will do it for a lot longer. Do you think Liverpool have replaced him well no. with, the, with the signings? No. But it was mission impossible for me. I think even initially after Torres, it was difficult to go and replace straight away. Suarez come along out of the blue, didn't really know much about him and was just a phenomenal footballer. But I, I look around now and I think to myself, even still now, who'd you go and get to replace Luis Suarez? If you're Liverpool, you're going to have to have endless amounts of cash. And then does that player want to come with no Champions League? So it's, it's, it's difficult to replace him. Sturridge is, is an unbelievable player, got just as much ability as Torres and Suarez, but we can't get him consistently on the pitch. Who's your favourite partner you played with in midfield, club and country? Xabi Alonso. Why? Xabi Alonso. Because I've never seen a player pass a ball like him. Uh, and it just looks so effortless. He's got every single pass in the locker, short, medium, long range, inside the foot, outside, and you talk a way to pass and trajectory and timing, and he, he's a genius when it comes down to passing. And I moved to a number 10 position when, when he became a centre midfielder for Liverpool, and 
he, he sort of added a new dimension to my game. I didn't think I could ever play in a number 10 role and it was down to the amount of time he used to give me on the ball because of the speed of his thoughts and the speed of his passing. He was an absolute pleasure to play with. Just give me your, 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 your top three moments in your career. Top three moments. I think third would have to be Olympiacos. Not so much at the time because it was, you know, we wasn't further down the line in the tournament. But looking back at that moment and that goal, there would have been no Istanbul without that goal and that moment. The so game that made it possible. That's a game. Not at the time because you're still thinking, you know, we're Liverpool, AC Milan are still in United, Chelsea, Juventus, and we were actually the underdogs all the way through it. But looking back now, you look at that goal and think it was a big moment. Number two would have to be. The strike against West Ham in, in the final. Watching my brother. A lucky strike. <laughs> a lucky strike. I mean, West Ham were the best team on the day. They probably deserved the win. I was tired. I was cramping up. And usually I'd control that ball and started an attack because it's one of them moments where if you try it, it goes in the air, everyone's on your case. And so that was a moment, a bit of luck. But when I see that goal now and the moment and what we got from it, and obviously Istanbul is the the, the game and the moment that defined me probably as a player for Liverpool. 3-0 down, thinking at half-time it's going to be 4-5-6, getting totally dominated and outplayed. Kaka's on fire, Pirlo's pulling it, Seydorf's just connecting it. And we just get that moment ahead of that give us that little tiny bit of belief and that little bit of hope. And I think that had a snowball effect for us getting Was that the that moment game. that changed that game or was it something in the change room at half-time? I think Didier Mann was a big key. I think, you know, we went for 4-4-2, four, 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 we wanted to use pace to try and hit their centre half. Rafa was speaking about them getting on and ageing a bit. It didn't work because we didn't have the ball and we got outplayed in the middle of the park. The diamond absolutely killed the two, me and Alonso. Um, they had too many bodies and they killed us. I think bringing Diddy on, having the extra man in the middle of the park, we got a bit of control. They took the foot off the gas, thought they'd won it. And we just had that 10 minute moment where we smelled blood and we went for it. And then after that, we, we got battered again. Everyone thinks from that first goal, we sort of turned the corner and dominated the game. We had moments in extra time where it could have went wrong. Dudex flipped one over the bar, one in a million save. And then you get to the shootout where Shevchenko's stepping up to take the, the penalty that could win it for them and he decides to dink it. So there's, there's big moments in the game that shaped Liverpool getting the fifth European Cup. I, don't, I wouldn't say it was just my goal. I think my goal was one of very many big moments in the game. So, I remember I came to watch uh, Liverpool against Madrid and I was sitting there thinking, oh, I can't wait, Liverpool and Madrid, great history of both clubs, and you was on the bench that game. Yeah. And I was sat there thinking, what would I be thinking of if I was in your shoes? Mm. Potentially your last game in the Champions League, a huge club like Real Madrid. What were you, what was well, you, you thinking you, then? You, you know me, uh, I wanted to play in that game. This was round about the time when I was doing a lot of thinking about what's next for me because I'd had a couple of initial chats with Brendan and he's saying to me I'm going to start managing your games and I have to look after you and I want you to be fresh, I don't want you to play three games in a week because you might be tired and, and stuff like that but this situation was a bit unique in that it was Real Madrid and I wanted to play and when I got told I wasn't playing for the sake of the team and the squad and my relationship with Brendan I took it and I accepted it but I sat on that bench devastated and I wanted to play. So it is one of them situations. Kind of made your mind up. It sort of pushed me more towards making a decision, you know, to move on and try something different. I'll cheer you up now. I hope you don't get embarrassed reading this. This is a quote. Is he the best in the world? He might not get the attention of Messi and Ronaldo, but yes, 
I think he just might be. He has great passing ability, can tackle and scores goals. But most importantly, he gives the players around him confidence and belief. You can't learn that. Players like him are just born with that presence. Who's that for? It's Zidane, because I've read that about a million times. <laughs> got that above your bed. never down. <laughs> After moments like Chelsea, I've got that on the wall and I just look, no, no, I've read it, I've read it and um, he's actually done me a nice message in a book that was given to me as a farewell present and he's on page one and that message is on page one from him and I'm very flattered and I'm very humble to, for him to say that. Who was your toughest opponent then? Domestically, Keenan Vieira, because they were so fit, they were so strong, um, they were very clever didn't really make many mistakes between them both and they're players who I used to try and steal little bits of tips off and little bits of movements. I used to watch them and study them a lot away from the game and certainly two heroes of mine. And they were the benchmark when I broke in. Uh, and you also had Frank and Scholes coming in behind that who were slightly different, more attacking players, but I didn't feel like a Scholes or a Lampard and I didn't feel like a Keno Vieira. I sort of felt like in the middle of both, um, sort of in the middle. But they were, they were four players who I used to always try and get in amongst that group with. Talking of Frank, everyone had a big thing about you and Frank playing together for England. Why, why do you think that that was such a big issue and, and did you feel it worked or it didn't work? I think at times it worked and we didn't get the credit we deserved. I think at times it didn't work. I think it's down to us being very similar is maybe wanting the same positions on the pitch. You know, we like to get forward around the edge of the box and shoot, but for me, I think the amount of talent out there, coaching-wise and manager-wise, and uh, what was available, I think a manager out of the ones that we worked with should have got more out of us or should have created a system or a formation that Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard can work in because I watch Chelsea and I've seen Frank play with Balak and I've seen it work. I've seen Frank play with other midfielders. Deco, I've seen him play with you know other attacking midfielders in a 4-3-3 system and in other systems and it's worked. Um, so I have that little bit of a frustration and anger with the debate that, you know, was it Frank's fault, was it my fault, or was it the fault of a manager not getting the best out of both of us because we are two, two good footballers who can offer the same in the same team for me. And adaptable. Yeah, we've got to be adaptable. So why do you think we didn't do, any, do as well as we should have? Everyone called us the golden generation. Yeah, well, I think that tag was a little bit unfair. I think the, the expectation was unrealistic, but I look back at it now, you know, the couple of quarter-finals, the shootouts that we got to, I thought we were a good team and I'll argue till, well, for as long as you want in that we were a good side. And I think little small details and little small margins, we could have been heroes for England if we'd have got through a shootout or got through a moment or got a goal. I think we were very, very close. Yeah, a lot of people think we're failures, a lot of people still think that we were a good team, but for me, we were close to getting into a semi-final and then who knows what had happened. Do you think the domestic rivalry within the players of the, in the squad that would have anything to do with it? Possibly. I felt like there was still a few, couple of clicks there. Uh, I always feel with England that it takes five, six days for the team and the squad to connect. I, I feel like when you get to England, you want to have your lunch and go to bed and hide and keep away from everyone because there's a shyness. And for me, I think there needs to be an England atmosphere where when you turn up, it's almost like you want to be with each other. You know, I, I look at foreign players in the, in the Liverpool squad now and they pack the bags a week before and they can't wait to get to their national teams and squads and they're loving it. And I think with England now, it's a bit like, oh, we're away for eight days and I don't really know him and um, I'm a bit shy and a bit quiet. That's got to go. Do you think St George's might change that? I think it's, it, it's got the basis of, of an unbelievable sight, but I think they need to 
make it a bit more realistic around it. They need to put a bit of a golf course in. You know, they need to make it a little bit more friendly for the players because it's a top place to train and prepare, but away from training and away from the training pitch in the games, it, it can be boring. Yeah. So I think the FA need to look into adding to it and making it even better, but we need to create that atmosphere where England players are desperate to get away and they want to do well. Yeah.